So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help women just like you from around the world do the same with my one-on-one private coaching program. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to getting alcohol out of your way that breaks all the rules, life-enhancing tools that make not drinking exciting and joyful, and the profound and sacred journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. This show is not a substitution for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a medical professional if your alcohol consumption is at risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Welcome back to the show, my beautiful listeners. Hi. So I hope that this series is really helping you. If you take notes and apply this weekly as like a lesson, right? So you can go back. They're pretty short episodes. Listen to to them and just, this is all about cultivating your awareness and cultivating your awareness, so bringing things into your view, into your perspective that you were unaware of, right, that that were not apparent to you before, is how you eliminate your desire and attachment to alcohol. So this these 10 steps are all kind of part of the five shifts. They're just different facets of them. But when we learn some, like this is how we learn through repetitive nature. And I mean, really the show is, is a lot of that. Um, because, you know, and I, one of the reasons I don't talk about really specific, like how to deal with, um, you know, a partner who is still drinking when you're not, for example, um, is because that's different for everyone right? Like everyone's good. I I work with clients who literally don't care if their partners still drink, whose partners don't drink, who, um, 
who stop drinking and get really frustrated with them or, you know, or their partner quits because they quit. Like it's all based on your thinking around it, right? So last week's episode, when we were talking about what creates the desire to drink for you, well, if it's, oh, I might as well join him, right? When you're thinking when you see your partner, like, ah, like if you can't beat him, join him, like that might create the desire to drink or like, oh man, that looks like fun, right? That's going to create the desire to drink. Not it's, it's your thought about it. Cause you could think like, oh, too bad for, too bad for them. Like I'm feeling really good. Like I don't want that. Right. That's going to create a different desire. So it's so individual that you, having the fundamental tools is how you are going to apply them to your own personal interpretation of the world, which is very different for everyone. Now, when it comes to alcohol, what I have noticed is because there's a collective narrative about it and it's so prolific in our culture, um, there is an othering and there's, um, you know, the narrative is changing, but there is this like, that drinking's what you do, that like, if you can't drink, like something's not right with you, but it's still the same thing. I mean, even when you see, like, I was just looking at a picture of, um, like Alicia Keys and her husband, who's like, Alicia Keys is amazing. She's like super talented, super successful, super mindful. She probably has like pretty good moderation with her drinking, I would think, because if she didn't, she wouldn't probably be able to be as successful. She's got a voice that she has to cultivate. But like I was talking about it with Matthew and it's like, it's still the same thing. It's still changing in emotion. It's still not real. And no matter who you are, it still has the ability with frequency and duration to become, to create an attachment and an addiction to it that you then have to consciously, like even Alicia Keys, and I'm not saying her, I love her, I think she's amazing. I don't know her relationship with alcohol, but I did see a picture of her and her husband drinking. Um, and who I don't even know if she could have been drinking soda in a rocks glass. Like I have no idea. Um, but you know, when you when you have a frequency and duration, you create an attachment to alcohol. You start to associate it with certain things. And then when you go do those things, that creates the desire, right? So then you now you have now you have to consciously choose and say no versus it just being irrelevant, it just being neutral. And that's what happens when you eliminate your desire and your attachment to alcohol, when you take it down to the studs right? And that's why moderation, you can moderate all you want. It just takes so much friggin' effort, right? Um, and of course, like it's a little bit different for everyone because like what I was talking about last time where there's there were certain things that overrode my desire for alcohol. Like when I was going to yoga, like I never would have a desire for alcohol in that situation. So if you have a life that's cultivated with all of these um, like, like you just, you've never associated alcohol with this thing, right? Then you maybe have set up a life that feels very, it's like you already have all these parameters built in place because other things, like if you're Alicia Keys, like other things are like way more of a priority to you and nothing would get in the way of that, right? Like it's just not even a thing. Like her relationship to uh, her voice, and to music was cultivated probably before that, right? Like this is hypothetical. I'm just using this because it was an example that came to my mind. So, 
Alicia, if you're listening, I love you. Um, you know, and I don't judge people that drink. I just know the truth of what alcohol is, that it's 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 just it's a distortion. It's a distortion of reality and it makes you feel a certain way and it can make you feel good, you know, because of the the flood of the chemicals, but that's not also always true. I, at this point in my life, I mean, I don't know, alcohol wouldn't make me feel good. I am so sensitive now to everything, like to everything. Like I used, you guys know, if you've been listening, like I was party, used to party hard. The thought of doing any drugs, like even THC, even alcohol, even a little bit of it is so, first of all, anxiety producing to me. Um, it feels so like unappealing, like to be dissociated. Like I love my natural state. (laughs) I get anxiety when I'm like overtired. Like when I start to lose kind of control of like my body a little bit because I haven't, you know, I'm, I've been awake for too long. Like I will start to get a little bit of anxiety. So for me, not desirable anymore, not pleasurable. And so this is what happens. You can cultivate a new relationship to self in your body where like literally it's not desirable anymore. So you can eliminate your desire and attachment, but it can also be like a turnoff and which it, which it rarely is for me. So today we're going to talk about attachment and attachment has is a really is an interesting thing because it's the attachment that cre- is you know our association that then eventually creates the desire. So there are two different things. Desire is like in the moment, right? Like I want to drink now. I'm having a desire. Attachment thoughts that create attachment um, are going to create a different emotion. They're going to be more along the lines of like your nostalgia, right? Of the idea of what you think it is or what alcohol has represented to you. So this is, and I did a show on this not that long ago, but I really want to reiterate it because it's something that I hadn't really brought into my awareness, but it's the most powerful thing. Like attachment urges or... um or attachment thinking is is very different than just like habitual desire because your body is anticipating a drink in this moment. Attachment is is you know when you talk about um like Buddhist philosophy it's like attachment is the is the source of all suffering, right? So when we're attached to people, physical objects, right? We um we limit ourselves from change. And and one of the, the the other themes of this series of, you know, the 10 steps to eliminate your desire and attachment for alcohol is is change, is life is change. Sensations will change. Everything has a lifespan, right? So when you're when we're attached to alcohol, we're also resisting change in such a huge way, such a huge way. Because we're not willing to be open to new possibility. We just keep going back to the familiarity of that thing that we know that's just no longer serving us. So if you liken it to, you know, a relationship and this idea of of being attached to to the idea, say, of a family. Like say you're married and you have children and you're attached to what that means, the idea of that, but you're not willing to be honest about the reality of it, right? That like, you know, your partner's actually living with someone else and has two other kids. 
Um, and I'm not trying to make light of that because, you know, these things happen, right? Um, but like there's like a reality, right? And so there's this thing with alcohol where the idea of what you want it to be and what you think it is is very different than what it actually is. But there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to really dive into understanding your wants, right? Understanding the other desires in life that you have that aren't just like based on this habitual urge, but the attachment that you have to alcohol because it's created an idea, it's created a belief system, an identity, right? Um, And so I wanted to read, so attachment um, is an affection, a fondness, a sympathy for something, an affectionate relationship between two people, the action of attaching to something, right? And like, you can kind of put all of these with alcohol. Um, or this is interesting. The first one is the extra part or extension that is, or can be attached, right? Um, to something to perform a particular function. So it's almost like, it becomes an attachment of who you are, of who we are, of of how you identify in this world. And that is why it's so scary. That's why it can be so scary. That's why you can't imagine your life about it because it's it's been you've been attached to it for so many things. Life will never be the same, right? It'll never be the same anyway. So when you really um you know, get honest about, about the fact that like, it's still not really the same. It just has a flavor of that. Those are the hardest, trickiest, um, what does, um, thoughts to overcome about alcohol that will, the attachment can be so much stronger than the desire because I have clients that are like, I don't even want to drink, but then I, you know, hang out with a certain group of people and it's just, so familiar. And I feel like this is how we bond. This is how we have fun. I don't even really want to drink. It doesn't even taste good, but it's so hard to, to think about doing it in another way. But then you do because you've been practicing non-judgmental awareness of your emotions and sensations this whole time, right? So that, this, is the, this is the practice for this week. Your thoughts that create attachment to alcohol, all of the things of what you think it is, what does alcohol represent to you that feels um, that you you haven't been willing to let go of, or you're not really sure, you know, what it's going to look like in another way, right? And so, you know, a, a relationship that you're having with alcohol is a really good example of that. It's like if you and your partner... Um, drink together all the time and it's been a really big part of your relationship or you kind of enable each other. It's like, that's how, you know, there's, there's an attachment to alcohol through, this is how we have fun. This is how we relax. This is how we bond. This is how I adult. This is how I get, um, a break. This is how I have fun with my friends. Right. So you have to understand all of that. And those thoughts are create, they're creating attachment, which is really the emotion, but they're also creating some other things. And you can kind of pull those out too: nostalgia, longing. Um, and then, you know, what, what happens in, in one-on-one coaching is we go deeper and just say like, okay, like what is that attachment? Like how else do you find that emotion in your life? Right. How else do you meet that desire or how can you? And now we get to say yes to something new. Now we don't have to resist change 
we get to actually get excited and inspire to say yes to something new. So pleasure in the body, that free, like that, that illusion of like that Lucy freedom, right? But you're so dissociated from your body that it's like, you're not even in control of it. And I've talked about this so much, like how I started cultivating that was through movement, through dance, right? Through feminine embodiment. Um, through just being in the pleasure of like, uh, like even just like if you like, even right now, just circled your wrists, really stretched into your hands, moved all the joints of your fingers and pressed your hands away. Like there is a pleasure in moving the body. I'm doing it right now. You're going to like feel with me. Um, so, so this is the, this is the invitation cultivating awareness. This is what we're doing. We're cultivating awareness. What the heck has been going on all these years you've been drinking, right? And what's the opportunity? This is such a big opportunity. Or you can stay the same. Alcohol is not going to change, but you can, right? So we have to see what our attachment to what we think it is and know that it's just a liquid in a bottle that doesn't really do anything. So it's a distortion whatever. That doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just is what it is now. And I've said this before, like it's really just about getting buzzed. I mean, it's really about like, even if, and and it's so interesting because so many people want to justify this, like where it's like, I don't, I didn't get drunk. I only had one or two. It's like, okay, great. Like totally controlling your drinking and not over drinking is amazing. However, it is still releasing the pressure of your attachment. Well, it's still, it's strengthening the attachment, the idea of the attachment that you need alcohol in that scenario to get the result that you want. A, B, it's also relieving the pressure of the, the emotion that you had before. And it it does do something on a chemical level. So regardless of how many drinks you have, but the one drink is just reinforcing the habit again and again and again, whether it's desire, whether it's attachment, whether it's avoidance of emotion, so on and so forth. So I'm just going to go back through our steps. Sensation, number one, the willingness to feel, just observing sensation in all of its forms from all of the sources in your body, you know, like the external, the emotion, the pain, the movement the elements, the environment, just being like, what's like the heartbeat now cultivating non-judgmental awareness around the emotion, just identifying the emotion. What is it? Get like deep. Let's like open up the vocabulary here. That's number two. And also notice your judgments around certain emotions, ones you have resistance to, ones you're not willing to feel, ones you think that are better than others, because that's also a belief right? That's not a fact. Number three, the third step to eliminating your desire and attachment to alcohol is understanding the desire, right? Understanding what circumstances create the desire. What is it an an emotion? What is the thought? And then what does that desire feel like in your body? So then you add the emotional and the sensation, right? So the desire. And then now we're going with this other, the thoughts that create the attachment, which is an emotion, And then there's like some more deeper, this is kind of like the surfaced emotion. What is that? What do you think it is? What, how do you, what are your, all of the ways that it's meeting your, your wants that you haven't understood or cultivated how to get anywhere else. So this, all this idea of what you think alcohol is, what it represents to you, your, like 
who you are, right? How it is that you use it to function in the world, this ex- this extension of you, this fondness that you have of it. What are all of those, right? And so write them down is going to be your best bet, but also, you know, notice them. Notice when they come up. Notice that story of when you're maybe trying to say no or when you think about like, oh my God, New Year's Eve. Oh my gosh, it would never be the same, Right? You can get through New Year's Eve. I mean, it's not even get through it. Like you're going to have an amazing New Year's Eve. Um, Yeah. I sang karaoke with Emma. It was really fun. (laughs) And we had a fire in the snow. My gosh, that fire. Matthew like carved out this like little like bench and put our fire pit in the middle. It was really sweet. Um. So yeah, that's what I've got for you to do. Please rate and review the show. Make sure you go to write a review and leave the five stars and share it so that other people can start to cultivate this awareness with you. And guess what? How does this serve everyone? Yeah, it's amazing, right? It like serves the entire world when we all have just more awareness of our emotions and our thoughts. We live in a better world. And then we take personal responsibility for our own actions and we start blaming other people for our lives. Like this is what the world needs now, right? And then we cultivate self-love and self-trust and then we can give it to others and we don't need external validation or external things to make us happy. We save more money and we have more time and all these amazing things. So have an awesome week. If you need anything, reach out. And I'm just so glad you're here. Talk to you soon. Bye. If a life of deeper self-mastery and feminine embodiment is calling you, but alcohol is the one constant in your way, I want to invite you to check out my one-on-one coaching program. It's your opportunity to apply the tools and principles from the show to your life one step at a time. Together, we create the safe and sacred container to explore the habit of alcohol, the power of choice, and awaken your inner light. Schedule a complimentary alignment session where I will help you uncover the next best step for you on your journey of discovering what's possible on the other side of alcohol. Follow the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com. I can't wait to connect.